We have been in this series called The King and the Cross. It's been an amazing series, a study of the book of Mark. Uh, last week, we had the privilege of having Jared, Pastor Jared Cowger from uh, Rhode Island, one of Josh uh, Knight's really good friends, and preached on the transfiguration. It was a great time. And this morning, we get to hear from our executive pastor, Benjamin McVeigh, uh, preaching. And so I'm, I'm really excited to hear what God has to say through Benjamin this morning. And so uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 9 verses 14 through 29. And so if you don't have a Bible, there's one under your seat. You can go ahead and grab that, and you can find this passage on page 936. Um, And if you don't have a Bible, take that one. Please, please, we'd love for you to have that Bible. Um, And yeah, so as we read this church, uh, we believe that this is the the very God-breathed, His Word that He has given to us, and we want to be reverent towards that. And so would you stand as the Word of God is being read in this place? Again, this is Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. It says this, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And we had entered the house. His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, as John men- mentioned, <clears throat> if, we, uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Benjer. I'm one of the pastors here at Flourishing Grace. Um, and, and I didn't know I was speaking at a Target employee convention today. <laughs> it was such a bad joke, but I couldn't wait to make it. And you all laugh, so joke's on you. That's what you get. <clears throat> hey, um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. This weekend has been incredible. I am um, I'm fortunate enough uh, not just to be a parent of two of these junior hires, but to have been a volunteer with the younger guys, the junior high guys, um, this weekend. And let me just tell you... Um, uh, these, these kids, and I hope that's not insulting, call you kids, are sharp. We had some incredible conversations this weekend. Um, if you've been praying or you helped out in any way, thank you. 
Um, I, I just love what I get to do when I, when I get to help out with um, our student ministry with uh, you know, grades 7 through 12, especially on Thursday nights, which is where, where I do it. Um, we've got an incredible group. And I just want you guys to know, I'm going to take a couple extra minutes um, and to say this, I just want you to know, those of you sitting in these, in these rows, um, we prayed for you for a lot of years to be here. And you are the answer to prayer, and, and I just want you all to know that. So thank you very much. Um, I'm, I love that you guys are here at Flourishing Grace. And um, I love that I'm going to, you know, if anything, I'm going to know who I'm speaking to because you all have red shirts on today. So um, today I'm a little nervous, not just because of these guys right here. I'm a little nervous because what we're going to be talking about today um, is, is uh, kind of a difficult topic, but it's a sneaky kind of difficult Right, because a lot of times, what we're going to talk about, it has to do with trusting Jesus. Yeah, you'd expect to hear about that at a church. But I know that each of us have walked into this room from different kind of vantage points, different life experiences. And so the question we're going to answer, um, what, is it, what does it look like? What does it mean to trust Jesus? And I use that phrase very carefully. It's not believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is good. Jesus exists, eternal son of God. But relationally, to trust Jesus I know there's a lot that goes into that. So for some people, when you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, great, got my pen, I'm ready to, I'm ready to learn. Um, for, for some of you, that's like a punch in the gut. Uh, trust Jesus? Benjer, do you know what I've been through? Um, maybe, maybe you're here and your, your marriage is struggling or, or, or it's just about done or, or it's finished. Maybe when I say trust Jesus, immediately your mind goes, yeah, but Jesus didn't help when my son died, or Jesus didn't help when I was being hurt. What does it mean to trust Jesus? Some of you uh, come from different backgrounds. Maybe you come from like a religious background where um, you had some questions. Maybe at this age you had some questions and, and, and you expressed some of those doubts and, and you were tell, told God doesn't have any room for questions. God doesn't have any room for doubts. And so you kind of like left it all behind because of the hurt involved in that. And, and now you've got questions and you're not really sure what to, to do with that. And you're like, I don't even know what it means to believe in Jesus, let alone trust Jesus. We all are coming from different kind of places when it comes to this topic. So it makes me a little nervous because I, I feel that weight. I feel that weight. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, I didn't come to faith until I was a college student. I mean, I had a lot of questions and I needed a lot of questions answered. So today, as we walk through this, um, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't have a lot for you in terms of, man, here's your next step. Uh, here in your particular situation, this is, this is what I want you to do. Um, all I know to do today is just to lay Jesus before us. All I know today is, is when it comes to, and we're going to see this a little bit, when it comes to um, uh, our doubts, whether they're, they're, they're purely intellectual and I've got some questions, or whether it's, you don't know my experience, you don't know what happened to me, you don't know the hurt I've been through, you don't know the, the, the just miles of unanswered prayer. I know that when it comes to asking the question, what does it mean to trust Jesus? There's a lot there, and we're just going to see what Jesus has to say about that and see what Jesus does. Sound okay? Um, if you put your Bible down, pick it up. Again, that blue Bible's yours if you want it, um, page 936. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. Um, by the way, uh, I cheated this week, and I slept in my own bed last night. I slept with the junior high uh, boys uh, at their host home the first night, but I cheated. So if I look refreshed like I didn't spend last night with a bunch of teenagers, you're right. I was in my own bed. Uh, so I have no excuses. 
Um, so what we need to do before we like look at what it means to trust Jesus is we need to go back to last week just really briefly. Um, Jared, as John mentioned, uh, from Rhode Island, walked us through what's known as the transfiguration. That's not a word we usually use in, in just kind of everyday life. Basically what happened, what we saw Jesus do is Jesus went up on a mountain last week in the beginning of chapter 9, right before what we read today. And he brought three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John with him. And essentially God pull back the curtain of heaven and, and let them see some incredible things. Let them see Jesus for who he was, the eternal son of God. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And not only that Jesus is the eternal son of God, but, but we looked at how Jesus was sent on a mission. Jesus put on human flesh. He's the son of God, put on human flesh, became a baby. And, and as we've seen in Mark, walked step by step his entire life towards the cross, to die on a cross for you and me. Jesus is on mission. Jesus, the son of God, came to die for you and me. And he's up on this mountain, and he has this incredible experience. Peter, James, and John have this incredible, they don't even know what to do with it. Uh, It is just nuts. But we see Jesus for who he is, and then they walk down the mountain, they have some conversations, and boom, they head right into this scene. They're walking in, and what I love about this is Mark is written from Peter's um, vantage point because um, Peter seems to be Mark's primary source. And, and, and you can imagine Peter and James and John and Jesus walking down, and they've, they're, they're, they've had this experience, and maybe their mind is still on it. They're having these conversations, and they hear this commotion. And, and you kind of begin to see, and they walk up, and, and you can imagine Peter saying, yeah, we, we saw you know, our buddies there, the other disciples, and these scribes. You know, we can see them with their uniform and the whole thing, what they're wearing, the robes, and, and they're arguing together. Right? And, and man, it is, it is a commotion. And then the crowd is growing by the minute, and, and, and they're just being added to, and they're there for this, this thing that's going on, but we can't even see what's going on. We don't know why they're arguing. We can't see what, what happened, what started this whole thing. And this is what Jesus walks into. Um, if you take a look at uh, verse 14, he came down with his disciples in a great crowd around them, scribes arguing with these disciples, Right? The crowd, they all saw Jesus. They were greatly amazed and ran up to Jesus and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with him? In other words, what is happening? What is happening? And at this point, we're told exactly what the cause of all this is. Now, I want to point something out. The disciples, as we'll see, and we're going to get to this in a minute, but the disciples, as we'll see, they're kind of flexing their own muscles. They're trying to, to help this boy and this father. The scribes are there, and they're arguing with the disciples who are there. And yeah, they're trying to help, but, but they're, they're there kind of for their own power, for their own glory. They're, they're not really relying on Jesus. And the, the crowd is there, but they're not there because they, they want to help. They're there because they're curious. Like, there's no Netflix. There's no Cinemark. And so they got their popcorn. They're like, man, this is a show. Like, what is happening? Nobody is there for this father and this boy. In fact, we first meet him, verse 17, and someone from the crowd, this father, answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. This is a demon within within him. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and it foams and grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. This is the scene that Jesus walks into. Now we're going to look at three interactions that Jesus has in the midst of this. And and again, we're just laying Jesus before us. And and I say us because this is something I need as well. Asking the question, what does it mean to trust in Jesus? So here's the first interaction. 
So Jesus sees the scene. He doesn't know what's happening. He's trying to figure it all out. This, this, this guy comes out of the crowd, which should have been like first front and center. Like Jesus is here. Like let's, let's help this guy. But nobody really wants to help this guy and his son. And so the, the, the father has to come forward. He says, I've got my son. Uh, he's demon possessed. This, this crazy stuff is going on. I, I, I haven't been able to help him. And Jesus answers this way in verse 19, not the way I would have expected. He answers them, O faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Now, I got five kids, all right? Um, You have heard them. If you've been at Flourishing Grace for more than a week, you have heard them. And it's that way at home. Let me just assure you. Like, they're not just getting their energy out here. That is what the McVeigh household sounds like all the time. And, and as um, some of you learned this weekend, if you were with me, I'm really good at tuning that out. Like, the junior high boys apparently stayed up later than they were supposed to on Friday night. I was out. All right? I was, I was out. I've gotten, gotten accustomed. But sometimes the noise in our house, it'll grow or somebody will start crying. Or you'll hear, like, the closet doors have just been completely shattered and broken off of their tracks. Yes, this happens in my house. And then dad comes up stairs and I'm just what on earth is going on now that's not what Jesus does here when I come unhinged that's just my own sinful frustration Jesus when he uses these words he's not just I'm fed up with you all no 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 Jesus is using words using language that would have for these disciples for the scribes for the crowd even would have echoed back to the Old Testament the Hebrew scriptures God in the Old Testament when he uses kind of language oh faithless generation how long do I have to be with you how long do I have to bear with you put up with you it's because the God of Israel who chose Israel though they were nothing delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, provided miraculously to show that God is king of the universe. He is is more than Pharaoh. He is bigger than Pharaoh. He has all authority and all power and all glory belongs to him. And he chooses this nation and he cares for them and he leads them into this land. And then they say, you know, God, we can can do it on our own. We don't need you. I I I don't like what you're doing. I don't like your teachings. I'm going to go after this. I think, I think this God, I think this thing is probably where I'm going to find true flourishing, not with you. And it's that moment that God says, how long do I have to put up with you? Not because, man, you're just frustrated and I'm done with you. Man, I've done, I've done everything. I am the source of life. It's not just what I have done for you. I, the only life that can possibly be found is through me. And so Jesus, I believe, in this moment, after, after coming down the mountain, after, after having this experience, and he's the eternal son of God, and yes, this is the mission that, uh, that, that I've been sent on, and even a couple of, of um, uh, stories ago, we, we heard him say, man, I've, I've come to die for you. I've, I've, come to, I've come to die. I've come to give my life. Jesus is the source of life, and nobody in this crowd, not the disciples, not the scribes, nobody really understands that he's the true source of life. Even the father at this point, and we're going to kind of see, I don't want to be unfair to the father, but, but the father um, it kind of comes to the disciples and Jesus isn't around, so maybe the disciples can help. And to be, to be fair, this is common. Like if the rabbi can do it, typically the disciples can do it in this kind of setting. And, and maybe he even heard that this was possible because a couple of chapters before, actually a few chapters before in chapter six, we see that Jesus gives the disciples authority to cast out demons and they do it successfully. So maybe he heard about it. So to be fair he goes to the disciples but nobody here has actually gone to Jesus and so Jesus says, how long 
And he says something very incredible. He says, bring him to me. And we were talking about this this, this, this week. And these four words, um, Josh and I brought this up. These four words might be the crux of this whole passage. Because everybody has tried something other than Jesus. And he sees them going in all kinds of directions. You've got the scribes who are there to trap Jesus and, and try to mess with his followers. You've got the disciples trying to do things on his own power. They want to help, but man, they want their own glory. You've got the crowd. The father brings uh, his boy to the disciples. Nobody has come to Jesus as the source of life. And so Jesus says, no, bring him to me. You see, trusting Jesus means going straight to Jesus. And, and I, I want to make this very clear. Everything you need is found in Jesus alone. Everything you need is found in Jesus alone. The problem is we don't always believe that. Like even, even those of us, like we can forget this. I have followed Jesus for uh, almost 20 years now. It has been almost my, uh, half of my life. In a few years, it'll be over half my life. And still, I forget. There are times when instead of going straight to Jesus, uh, I think, well, maybe if I do this thing and I do that, then things will get better. Maybe in your tradition, you, you were told, and we'll, we'll cover this in a minute, but, but maybe you were raised to, to believe, man, if something's broken, you've got to do this for God, and you've got to do this, and you've got to try, try a little harder, do a little better, make all of this work. We don't go straight to Jesus. No, no, no. Bring the boy to me. Trusting Jesus means going straight to Jesus. Now, I understand even with that statement. There's all the baggage. We've talked about this. What happens when you have disappointment with Jesus himself? What, what happens when, when it's hard to reconcile something that has happened in your past, something that has happened to you, something you have witnessed, some way that you have been hurt? What happens when somebody who uses the name of Jesus a lot has been the one to hurt you, to take advantage of you? I understand that this is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But again, I'm just, just laying Jesus before you. Bring the boy to me. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus, who is the eternal son of God, who came to earth to die for you. Every need we have, the place where it is fulfilled is in Jesus alone, your deepest need. And yeah, I understand there's a lot of questions that come with that. Because sometimes when we come to Jesus, we even see this in this passage. Father brings the boy and he convulses again. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. But Jesus is the source of life. And if anything, at least we can, at least we can kind of hold in our hands the fact that I don't understand everything happening, but I know that the king of the universe put on human flesh to die for me. I'm going to go straight to Jesus. Second interaction we're going to look at is this. Bring the boy to me. So he brings him to me. They brought the boy to him. Verse 20. This is what happens. When the spirit saw him, meaning Jesus, immediately it convulsed. Like he knows it's doing battle. This is, this is the king of the universe. This is, the, this is Jesus, the Messiah. The boy falls on the ground and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. 
And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? I just want to point out, Jesus probably already knows. Or at the very least, Jesus knows what he needs to know to heal this boy, to cast this demon out. He knows. He was just up on the mountain. He's the son of God. He knows he's doing battle. He's done this before. He knows he is Christ the victor. He knows that he has defeated Satan. And this is this is part of the whole deal. But he slows down and he has compassion on this father. And he says, How long has this been happening to him? And the father says, From childhood, like forever. And has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this is not a statement of hope. This, if you can do anything, this is a statement of uncertainty. And let's be fair to the father in this situation. All right, he has brought his boy to Jesus. As far as he knows, he heard about these. Maybe it's this band of people. Maybe he heard about Jesus specifically. But he heard this was possible. He's, he's done everything he knows how to do, and it didn't work. And so at this point, he's like, oh, it didn't work. I tried it and it didn't work. Some of you have been there. I tried it and it didn't work. If there's anything you can do, like, I don't know, essential oils, anything. <laughs> now at this point, notice how Jesus responds. He doesn't say, if. All right, why don't you go back why don't you pray a little bit more? Why don't you fill up your faith bucket a little bit more? Why don't you go do some more good works? Why don't you get some things together? No, no, no. He doesn't send the Father away. Now, he does challenge the Father. I want to make this very clear. Sometimes we, we, we don't understand the difference between when Jesus challenges us and, and when he's trying to like heap on things to our list. No, when Jesus challenges us, it's to draw us closer to himself, not to send us away. He doesn't send the Father away. This challenge is meant to draw this Father closer to Jesus, where all his needs can be met. And so Jesus answers him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't know where you're sitting today, but I want these words to be balm on your soul if this is something you're struggling with. I mean, think about what the Father says. Okay, Jesus challenged him. All things are possible for the one who believes. And this isn't like, okay, muster up enough faith, you know, kind of try to fill that faith bucket. Faith isn't kind of a bucket that we fill, and when we get enough, we can bring it to Jesus, and maybe he can do something with it. No, Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust me, I am the source of life. And the Father says, I do believe, but, but I don't. I mean, is there any more authentic kind of expression of faith? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I don't. But I, 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 want, I do. I want to. But I got the, I don't understand. And he doesn't go away and try to get things together and pull himself together. He brings his need, and he brings his unbelief, and he brings his question, and he brings this tragedy, and he brings his hurt, and he brings this trauma, and he brings it all to the feet of Jesus. I believe, but I don't. Help my unbelief. I don't know where you're sitting in these first few rows. 
Uh, but one thing I've noticed from my own kids, just from the conversations we've had, man, it is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. And one of the lies that I think, I think Satan tells us, I think people can tell us, is that in order to believe, you need to work harder. You need to do better. You need to get it together. You need to stop asking questions. You need to doubt your doubts. Friends, that is, that is a lie from Satan. Now, this room is a safe place. This place, the foot of the cross, for goodness sake, is a safe place for doubts, for questions. Just like Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Jesus said, bring me everything. And the Father does. I believe, but I don't. But Jesus, you can have it all. Trusting Jesus means surrendering everything to him. And sometimes that means surrendering our doubts and our questions. Not that we, we put them aside. But that we say, I don't, I don't know where to go with these. And because of something that happened in my past, I wonder if God's really there. Because would that really have happened to me if God was there? I've got, I've got these questions like, okay, raising from the dead. All right, I believe Jesus loved people. That's great. Maybe he even died for me, but, but raising from the dead? I don't know. But bring it all to Jesus. Trusting in Jesus means surrendering everything to him, including our doubts, our uncertainties, our questions, our past. Joni Erickson Tata puts it this way. Faith isn't the ability to, put, to believe long and far into the misty future. It's simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. That's a good churchy thing to say, right? Okay, that's really great. If you know who Joni Erickson Tata is, 55 years ago at the age of 17, Joni Erickson Tata, Joni was, was messing around around Chesapeake Bay out on the East Coast. She dove into the water, which was shallow. She didn't know it. And through a tragic accident, she was paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she has spent the last 55 years wrestling through these questions and why, why does this kind of thing happen? I, I can't, I don't know what the future is. Like things are not good now and things aren't going to be good in the future. How can I trust God with that? And sometimes this is the place we come to. I don't want this to be a cop out. And I just want to lay Jesus before us. And, and, and this is a real experience because of our finite minds and our experience experiences. We, we don't get all of our questions answered. We don't always get to know why. But trusting God doesn't mean that we can see far into the future, know everything there is to know. It means seeing where God has led us in the next step and having the courage to take that next step. Um, I want to I tread very carefully on what I'm about to say. I really do mean that I want today to be a balm on our souls. There are some people here who have brought just so much into this room, don't know if they can, but I want this to be just peace. Barnabas Piper, um, in this book, Help My Unbelief, 
makes a distinction between believing doubt and unbelieving doubt. And believing doubt is when we take these struggles and we take these questions, we take our doubts and we take what has happened to us and we take our experiences and we take just the evil that we see and the moments that, I don't know how I can trust in a good God who, who can do anything because look at this. We take all of these things and we take Jesus at his word. Right? The father said, help my unbelief. Jesus wants to help you. And so bring them to him. Let him help you. Wrestle through these with him. This is a place to do that. Unbelieving doubt is when we might ask the same questions, might have had the same experiences, might have the same doubts, but we use it as a smoke screen to keep Jesus at arm's length or further away. And sometimes we can do this um, to avoid a relationship with Jesus. But I have all these questions, so I don't even want to engage with Jesus. But I've seen Christians do this too. We're, we are not willing to take that next step because we don't have all of our questions. I just don't feel God. I mean, because of this, I, I need to know this and I need to know this. I can't trust Jesus unless. And listen, again, I want to tread, tread very carefully. Because some of us need peace. Some of us need the challenge that Jesus gives the Father. Where Jesus challenged the Father and brought him closer to himself. Now, if you're here and you've been kind of wrestling through this and, and the way that this is pinched in, in your mind or in your heart is that and you've got your questions. Maybe you were raised in a, in a religious tradition or a church where, where you were told not to ask questions. Or maybe you feel like, man, all this stuff has been built up and then somebody came and, and popped that balloon and you feel like it's all just crumbled underneath you. And you're wondering, man, what do I do with these questions? What do I do with this doubt? How, how do I reconcile this? I've got a book for you and it's free. It's my gift to you. If you are wrestling through this, I've got, um, I think, like eight more copies uh, back in the, the welcome desk after this. Now, if, if you just like books and you're not going to read this or you're like, yeah, maybe my niece would like that. Listen, this is not my gift to you. If you're going to take this, I'm serious. If you're going to take this and you're going to read this, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, man, I'm, I'm way down here. If, if you've just wondered, what are my doubts? What are my questions? What are my experiences? Maybe wonder if God's really there, if I can really trust Jesus. What do I do with all that? This book is for you. Please pick one up afterwards. Last interaction. Jesus casts out this demon. All right, they, they bring the boy to him, convulses. They, they think he's dead because when the demon leaves him, he's just laying there. But Jesus takes him and, and he arises, which is kind of language of, of resurrection into new life. This boy has a new lease on life. And then Jesus goes aside with his disciples into a house and, um, and, and Jesus says this with them. So they had gone into the house. The disciples asked him privately because they're like me. I don't, I'm not the one that asked. Anybody like this? I don't ask questions in class because I don't want to look stupid. Anybody else like this? Yeah, my wife's not in here. I can say this. We, did ne we went to the same graduate school, same seminary. I did not sit with her because she's okay with questions, all right? I, I asked him privately, all right? And the disciples apparently are the same way. They ask him privately, hey, you know, about, about the whole failure thing. What happened? Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, some of you passed 10th grade English. You love literature. Maybe you're English major. I don't know. You've asked the good question here that, that we all have missed. By prayer, 
Jesus didn't pray. And some people have seen this and thought, well, maybe, maybe he prayed internally. Maybe it was the Father's prayer. No, when, here's, here's what I think. When Jesus pulls his disciples aside, when they kind of debrief after an experience, whether it's when they've been sent out and they come back in, or, or there's a teaching that they didn't understand, or an experience like this, and Jesus kind of talks with them afterwards, what he says is an encouragement for them. And so I believe this is meant for them. This kind can't come out by anything but prayer. Which means, and this is completely embarrassing, which means as they faced this demon, which is clearly destroying this boy, at no point did any of them ever raise their hand and say, you know, we ought to ask God about this thing. Like maybe, maybe we should pray. Right? And to, to be fair, okay, if I was there, I probably would have done the same thing. Again, three chapters before, they were given authority to do the same thing. They had success at it. They actually did it. But while they were given authority to do this, the power alone rested with Jesus. He didn't say, you got the power now. No, he said, you have the authority, meaning I have the power and I can tell you, you can do this. Which means they still need Jesus. Friends, think about this situation. Um, I, I know we don't talk about this often, but, but the, when they were facing this demon, this was a battle. This wasn't just like ministry technique, maybe this person's struggling and I can pray for them and maybe kind of have the right thing to say or give them a book or anything like that. No, 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 this is a battle. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter six. It'll be up here on the screen. Um, starting in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm guessing that this week, um, you're not going to be in your office, you're not going to be in your school, and, and, and something crazy is going to happen, and you're like, oh man, this is a demon, and i got to cast it out, and i got to remember what we did in, in this passage. You know, we got to pray. But friends, make no mistake. When you go back to your schools, and you wrestle with putting into practice what you've learned this weekend, as Casey walked us through Titus, when you go to your workplaces and, and you're trying to get up the courage to take that co-worker and let God's put it on your heart and you know you're supposed to share your story. Maybe they're going through some pain and you can say, listen, I've, I've struggled with the same pain and this is, this is what Jesus means to me in that pain. Whether it's your one person that, that doesn't know Jesus but you see every week and you're praying for that person you're trying to engage, or just discipling your kids. Friends, it is a battle. This is not about technique. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so therefore, all the more, we need the power that rests with Jesus alone. To trust Jesus means to admit that we are powerless without him. You know what I'm the worst parent, kind of parent? Um, don't answer, kids. Thank you. You can tell me afterwards. If you really want to know any good stories, my daughters are always welcome to share some about me. But it's not when I'm hangry. That's not pretty on me, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's not when I'm tired. Now, when I'm the worst kind of parent, it's when I think I can do it on my own power. And I read this book. Books are good. And I read this book. I'm going to nail this. I got this conversation. It's going to be good. 
This is going to be good. My kids should be laughing at me right now. Friends, trusting Jesus means that we are powerless without him. We can, we can do nothing apart from him. From him. And I think sometimes it's easy to follow Jesus and to walk with Jesus so long. Man, I got it. I can fight this sin. I, got, I can love my neighbor. I don't need Jesus to do that. I can walk through this difficult period in life where I don't know what the outcome is. But man, I've, I've got all the pieces in place. I'm going to figure it out. I am, I'm like the Excel spreadsheet master. I've got a plan. No. Trusting Jesus means admitting we are powerless without him. Now, as we wrap up, I want us to take a little bit of a step back. Not just in this, this chapter, but, but, but certainly in this chapter. Remember, this is not just about this one interaction, but, but the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came down from the mountain. He came down. And he came to die for you and me. And we see him for who he really was, beginning of chapter 9. And he put on human flesh. But if you read the whole of Mark, and if you've been from us, with us from the beginning of the series, and if you haven't, I, I encourage you to go back, um, flourishinggrace.org, um, click on listen or find our podcast, listen to the whole thing. Jesus walked step by step towards the cross through all of the gospel of Mark because he came to die for you and me. And the question that we should ask, not just what does it mean to trust Jesus, but why? Again, I can lay nothing before you but Jesus. You probably got some questions that I can't answer. You might say, you know, here's, here's why I'm not sure God is there. And you might tell me a story and I'd say, man, I would be in the same boat. I'd be struggling too. But we have a Savior who put on human flesh to walk step by step to the cross, to die for you and me because you were worth it because he loves you. Not because we did anything, not because of what we have done, but who he sees us to be. He doesn't look at us and say, man, all right, you're doing great. You went to this retreat. You, you, you pulled this out. You started in the path group. No, 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 no. Jesus died for us just because he loves us. That is why we can trust Jesus. Now again, as we wrestle through this, there's no easy answer. And so I don't even have like step-by-step step anything for you to do. I will say this. We can't do this alone. Uh, you've heard us talk about path groups. Path groups are, are small groups of guys or small groups of, of women. Um, our, our teenagers are in path groups called huddles. Uh, both of my girls are in their own path groups. And, and, and really, if you are in one, um, wrestle through this. Like sometimes it's hard to be honest, even with friends that we've known for a long time and come before them. You know, maybe you've got um, uh, somebody that you meet with and, and you know that's coming up on Wednesday night. You know it's coming up on Thursday morning. Be honest and say, man, I was where that father was. I, I just helped my unbelief. I've been, I've been chasing other things. I just, I just don't even know how to do this. Maybe you're not in a path group, and you're like, so what do I do? Well, we've got this thing called Alpha coming up after Easter, and you can, you can register today. Uh, you'll be hearing about it in, in, in the coming weeks, but if you go to flourishinggrace.org slash events, you can register. Alpha is just a community 
that meets for eight weeks. We meet around tables where we wrestle through some of the just basic questions of what it means to follow Jesus, of who Jesus is, um, of, of what's kind of known as the Christian faith. And, and let me say this very clearly. It doesn't work if you don't bring your questions. Like Alpha is, is a terrible experience if everybody there is really sure of who they are in Jesus. No, we, we need to bring our, our own selves to this. Uh, we need to invite our friends. But if this is you and you're like, I just need to wrestle through this for a while, Alpha is for you. But then today, like what do you, what do, you do today? Listen, I don't know what you are walking through. But after our last song today, um, a few people are going to be at the front um, as the last song ends um, to pray with you. And so if this, is, if this just kind of hits you in the gut, if this is something you've been wrestling with but you haven't known how to put some language around it, um, we would love to talk with you and we would love to pray with you. So you can do that after the last song. Let me pray for us. God, I give you thanks. That when we, when we wrestle and struggle with doubt and life experiences and questions, you don't send us away to, to put ourselves together, get things together, grow some more faith so that we can come back to, do, to you. No, you take us where we are and we can come before you and say, I believe, but I, I don't, but I think I do, but I'm not sure. Help my unbelief. And God, we believe that you are a God who does want to help. And so, Father, we just bring ourselves to you. For those who, who, who are just in this room internally going through turmoil through this question, Father, would you reveal your son Jesus to them? Would you meet them where they are, God? Not with any technique, but Father, just with our Savior Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Let all the people say, amen.